Okay, well listen, we're, we're back in the book of Luke. We had our little mini-series called Made New, and, um, and so we're, we're going to continue in the Gospels. And in chapter 7, which is where we're kind of jumping back in, it's very interesting to note that um, in that chapter, it's basically all about uh, learning who is Jesus, who is this Jesus, who is this man, and um, in fact, not this week, but the I think it's next week we'll hear John the Baptist asking, "Are you the one?" You know that we've been looking for. Um, but today we'll get kind of a we'll see a, a couple of situations uh, encounters that people have with Jesus, and and just kind of keep this as a mental note. We're, I really think Luke is, is including this. He, he's showing us who Jesus is. He's leading us into uh, who the Lord Jesus is. And, um, and we all need to know who Jesus is. We all need to know him better, right? Christianity is about a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus, if, you know, Jesus is it. I mean, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. And so uh, it's so important that we have a right understanding of who Jesus is and have a personal relationship with him. So uh, let's go to God in prayer this morning before we dive into his word. Heavenly Father, first of all, we want to just say we adore you. We thank you so much. We worship you. Um, as we just um, were singing, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for us, that we might uh, be forgiven. And um, Lord, we are just grateful, grateful for um, you reaching out into our lives. Every, any person that has a real faith in you, authentic faith, who's become a Christian, has had some kind of an encounter with Jesus through the scriptures, through the word preached, some way. And Lord, we just say this morning, we want to know you better. We want to know you more deeply. We want to know more what it means to abide in Jesus. We want to know more what it means to, to just understand our salvation even better. So, Lord, we're calling out to you today. Lord, we want to hear from you. And, Lord, we also just, as we come into this place, um, we come from a week maybe filled with things that have caused us anxiety. And so, Lord, we want to just uh, pray and mentally put those concerns at your feet, Lord, and um, pray, you know, we, we want to lay those there and, and put them in your care, knowing that... Um, um, you're Lord of all. You're sovereign. We don't have to worry. You're in control. And Father, maybe some of us come in here with some doubts. We pray, God, for a strengthening with the truth. Lord, we also just acknowledge that some of us are just hurting. We need your, we need your healing touch. Our bodies are afflicted. Our minds are, are having trouble. Lord, we just, we just pray, God, for your healing touch on those who need it. And Lord, we also just want to just, as a body, just acknowledge that, you know, sometimes there's times when we are just struggling spiritually. 
where we're finding it hard to continue to following hard after Jesus and being his disciple. And so, Lord, strengthen the weak hands. We pray, God, that you would renew our strength like it says, like the eagle. Lord, would you make us zealous for good works? Make us zealous. Give us a um, a single-mindedness to live lives that are pleasing to you. And so now, Lord, we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's really two encounters that we're going to look at this morning. One is with the centurion and, uh, and uh, how Jesus heals his servant. And then... Um, how Jesus interrupts a funeral procession. And uh, it's, it's just fascinating and, and amazing. This first section here, verses um, 1 to 17 in uh, Luke chapter 7, 1 to 17. And we're going to see in this first part the authority of Jesus. And actually what's interesting is in this passage, we learn more about the centurion, or more is said, I should say, more is said about the centurion than about Jesus. Um, If you're able to, as is our habit here, if you're able to, why don't you stand uh, the authority of Jess? What? Okay, Nick. (laughs) I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. I I, I typed these things in. Now, I don't know, is that the spirit or what is going on? Maybe I need to talk to Nick. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's supposed to, obviously supposed to be Jesus, the authority of Jesus. Now, Jess, I'm sure she has authority, um, you know. <laughs> You're never going to forget this moment, are you, Jessica? All right, yes, all right, so sorry. Okay, all right, now I've got to try to refocus. All right, Whew. all right. Okay, let's hear God's word here. After he had, and after he had finished Uh, All his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. And when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus said with them, uh, Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. And therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word, and let my servant be healed. For two, uh, for I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned to the crowd that followed him and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. 
Now, it's interesting in that passage, I think, that um, the, the, the miracle, the healing, is, is almost kind of an afterthought. Like the focus, really, in the passage is about uh, the authority of Jesus to say something and it be accomplished. Uh, that's really, I think, the focus. Um, of course, obviously, it's amazing that this man's servant was healed. Um, but but um, one of the things I just want to mention here is that, you know, as you, as you kind of look at the centurion, since, since so many things were said about him, um, we, we pick up on the fact that he seems to be, uh, of course, a centurion is a soldier, right? Typically in charge of 100 people, Um and uh, Roman soldier at that in this particular context. Uh, now, this centurion, in this case, was generous. I mean, when they say you know he's kind to our nation, he helped us build our synagogue. I mean, I suppose it could have mean he actually physically helped them construct it, but it may very well likely that he supported that project financially. Uh, and so, so he's obviously uh, sympathetic towards the Jewish community. Uh, towards these people of faith, and he's also very compassionate. You know, he says that he valued this servant, and some might speculate that, well, it's because he's seeing a servant as an asset. But I think we get the tone of this man uh, through the passages that, no, it seems like he really did have a great and a deep love for this person uh, who worked for him. And so he's reaching out to Jesus at the, in this desperate situation. And uh, how many of us, I wonder, you know, uh, um, over time have, in, in desperate situations, have turned to Jesus, right? And certainly as believers we do, but I'm thinking of, of how so oftentimes when people are in desperate situations who, who are, uh, are not necessarily um, t- people of faith, but they, they know there's something about Jesus, and maybe they've heard a friend or a coworker or a family member talk about how Jesus, what he's done for them in their lives, and so they turn to Jesus in desperation. And I just want to say, if that's where you're at this morning, um, you're in the right place. right? If you're desperate, uh, you, you need help, Jesus is the one definitely to whom you want to turn. Uh, and so, just know that that is the right response, whether you're a believer or someone who's seeking to understand who Jesus is, is that Jesus is always the one we want to turn to in our situations and to cry out to him. Um, I wanted to uh, just take a look at some scriptures that really do encourage us to cry out to God. Because that's what's happening. This this man is is crying out for Jesus's help. And so I want to look at some scriptures, and these are all in the Psalms. Actually, take a look at Psalm uh, chapter fifty. So either pull out your device, or you're going to need a Bible. Uh, Psalm chapter fifty. verses 14 and 15, Psalm 50, verses 14 and 15, it says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. 
You see, I, I just love that combination, you know, and as we, re, we call out to God and He hears us and, and acts on our behalf out of His mercy and grace, then we are to turn and to glorify God, right, and to give thanks to Him. And so He's just inviting us, right, to offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I think, you know, uh, what does that look like? Uh, in the Christian context, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, just giving thanks to God. And, and, as, and it could be in the form of singing, singing like we were just doing, just pouring out our hearts to God through singing and praise and, 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 and telling God in, in song uh, how thankful we are for Him and for what, not only uh, for what He's done for us, but just for Him. But, uh, and then he just, He urges us to call upon Him in the day of trouble. And so, um, that's one place. Psalm 34, so back up a little bit in the Psalms, 34, verses, verse 15. Psalm 34, verse 15, and we'll go 15 to 18 here. It says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears toward their cry. You love that. It's like God is just kind of leaning in there, and He's kind of just, you, you get this, this uh, image of God wanting to hear from us. And then it says, The face of the Lord, verse 16, is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And so this just reminds us and gives us a picture of the heart of God, right? If you're hurting this morning, um, if you're uh, brokenhearted, as it says, uh, then you can turn to God. You can turn to Jesus. One last one, Psalm 145, Psalm 145, verse 14. Psalm 145, starting with verse 14. It says, The Lord, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His works. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Aren't there just wonderful promises and wonderful words of God? He's near. He's wanting to hear our cry. And so, uh, I don't know what your image of God is and how you think of Him, but we need to be thinking of God as someone who's just wanting us to approach Him. He's wanting us to call out to Him and, and, and cry out to Him about what's going on in our lives. And so, the centurion, back in Luke 7, is turning to Jesus. He's calling out to Him. He's, he's wanting His help. Now, He sends a group. Uh, of Jewish elders uh, to kind of go speak to Jesus on his behalf. I don't know if that's just the way things were done. 
I don't know if it was because he was a Gentile and maybe he thought, well, maybe you know the, the pro- protocol might be more of, I'll, I'll send some of the Jewish elders on my behalf. That's very possible. But they went, and boy, did they have some good things to say about him, didn't they? They had some great things to say about this centurion. Uh, it said, he, they say in verse 4, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation. He is the one who built us our synagogue. And so they're, they're definitely um, speaking positively of him. But I find it interesting that they use those words that, you know, he's worthy. But when, you, when you, uh, we hear from the centurion, what does he say? He doesn't say, I'm worthy, does he? He says, I'm unworthy. Uh, and I just, I don't think that's any accident that we have the one saying he's worthy. And then, and then the centurion, uh, who knows his own heart, his own life, I'm not worthy. And I think it just draws our attention to the fact that none of us are worthy <laughs> uh, to experience God's grace and mercy. None of us, not one of us. Um, but in, so in verse 6, this is what he says. Um, he says, and Jesus went to them, or went with them. So as Jesus is kind of journeying back with these um, group of elders who had come to speak to him on the centurion's behalf, and, and so it says, and Jesus went with them when he was not far from the house. The centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I do not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. And I think what we're getting here is this, that, the, that this guy gets at least partly who Jesus is, that he's not worthy of Jesus to use his power to heal his servant. He's not worthy for this to be done for him. He doesn't deserve it. And I just think, you know, this centurion approaches Jesus with the right attitude, with humility, as we all should, right? If if you know who Jesus really is, we realize, you know, uh, we, we don't deserve for him to do anything for us. Um, and, and we need to humble ourselves before him. He's God come in the flesh. Right? John the Baptist said in Luke 3, earlier we read this in Luke 3, verse 16, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He's speaking about Jesus. He says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And, um, and so I, I just think the centurion, he knows that he's not worthy to receive Jesus' help, but he casts cast himself on the Lord's mercy. Cast himself on the Lord's mercy. And again, we just need to see Right, Jesus as God come in the flesh. The centurion has the right attitude towards Jesus that he is the Lord. And so he just says in verse 7, but say the word. In other words, you don't even have to come. You don't have to touch this person. You don't have to touch my servant. You don't even have to be you know, here, physically here. I just know that you have such authority and power at your disposal, if you just simply speak a word, 
he'll be healed. And, I mean, isn't that amazing? Um, I mean, of course, you see Jesus, when he heals people in the New Testament, it happens. sometimes he's touching people, sometimes he's not touching people, sometimes he heals them from afar. Uh, you know, it's just all over the place. It doesn't, you know, sometimes he's, you know, spitting on dirt and rubbing it in his hands and putting it on their eye. I mean, it just, there's no, like, formula here. It's just Jesus is doing it, okay? God is doing it. He's healing. He is healing. Isn't it comforting to know that we, that we, uh, if we know Jesus, we have a relationship with the God who heals? That he, uh, he made us, right? He made us. Um, and the maker of us can fix us. And one day, um, if he doesn't fix us this side of heaven, you know, the things that ail us, he will. Uh, fix those things. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but but just this, um, I, I think we need to we need to take notice to the centurion's um, just his trust in the words of Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, do I trust the words of Jesus like the centurion did? You know, am I really know that you know, man, when Jesus says it, it's going to happen. You know, and I know theologically I definitely believe that, but I think there's times practically when I don't. And of course, we don't always know what God's will is, right? Uh, we pray for healing at times. We pray for certain things. We, don't, we always submit uh, our request to God, and, and, and He knows best. Um, but we, we ask, just like uh, the centurion did, but I just think we need to make sure that we have, uh, that we weigh Jesus' words and the Word of God appropriately. It is the authority. If God says something, it is so. Okay? If He says something is this way, it's that way. Right? Um, God, what is it? Uh, remember the, this little phrase I heard years ago, right? God said it. Um, Something like God settled it. And I, I thought I had a phrase and I lost it. Uh, something like he said it, that settles it, or something like that. What's that? I believe it. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Yes. Uh, yeah, he said it. I believe it. That settles it. Yeah, in that order, the belief. And, and just that, you know, you know, we we got We really have to, as as followers of Christ, that's the way we always must view the Word of God, right? which obviously contains the words of Jesus, but just all of the Word of God, right? If God says something about something, about marriage, if He says something about money, if He says something about work, if He says something about relationships, right? We need to believe that, and we need to just let that be the last word on that, right? And sometimes we may not understand the why behind, behind certain things, but... If we know that God loves us and uh, that we can then trust him for the things that we don't understand, right? So here the centurion is just has an incredible, incredible trust. And that not that what Jesus really lifts up there for us, right? He, in verse 7 it says, um, uh, well, verse 8, For I too am a man said under authority, right? The centurion says, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and 
and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does that. And so he's just saying, you know, I, I know that, that there's something, Jesus, about you that you got this connection with God, and if you say it, it's happening, just like I understand as, as a, a Roman soldier how authority works. So verse 9, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at them. There's not many times it says that Jesus was amazed. This is one of them. Okay, he is amazed. He's mar- it says he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him. This is interesting. You know, it's not just this way. There's people watching, right? The crowd, it says, uh, I tell you, not even, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Such faith. And so he was, he was uh, praising the centurion's faith that even though, um, you know, he wouldn't, he, you know, he could just say the word and it would happen. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that, first of all, it's fascinating that this happens to a Gentile person and a person who's not of the faith. And he has, but he is, you know, I don't know if he comes to faith in Christ or not, but he certainly believed enough in him that he would he knew that he could do this. Just amazing. Amazing faith. And so Jesus is is amazed at the centurion's faith. You know, take a look here. Well, I'll just read it for you. It's it's a very short phrase. Luke chapter 17. Uh, so it's actually, you know, still in the book of Luke. Luke 17. In verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. When I read that passage we've been reading, I'm like, Lord, I want increase my faith. And I want to I want to emulate the faith of the centurion if if I'm not. Does increase our faith? And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And I suppose there's a lot you could say about those two verses, but the one thing that comes to my mind is it's not about the quantity, it's about who my faith is in. Because the mustard seed is like the smallest seed, you know, here. And and so I think it's just like, you know, you, you just got to realize who it is your faith is in. Right? And I say, as I think about Jesus, right, uh, he's involved in creating everything. Right? He's involved in sustaining everything. Colossians says he holds everything together, right? By the power, by his own power. I mean, this is the one who at his word people were healed. Things happened. Miracles. And so I am just praying for myself and, and for all of us uh, that we would. God would give us a bigger picture of himself. Uh, just to see who it is uh, and more deeply that we know and have a relationship with. And just what he's capable of. 
uh, and, and just to have a greater trust in him. And, you know, I, I don't at all, um, you know, n- nobody can strong arm God into miracles, and that's not what I'm saying. But I'm, what I'm saying is just that, um, just to have a, I, I want God in my life, and I think in the life of our church, just to, to grow in our trust and to grow in our knowledge and understanding of who God is. so that he could use us in all kinds of ways. And that our faith would be exemplary, right? That, uh, that our, Wouldn't it be great if it, would, it could be said by Jesus that he was amazed by our faith? I mean, that would be a great commentary, right? So maybe it starts off, Lord, show me where I'm not trusting you. Show him where I'm not believing that you could do something. And still trusting you with the outcome. I do. I, I was thinking about well, what helps our faith? I suppose there's a lot of things. I think the Spirit helps us in our faith. Um, but one thing comes to my mind, and uh, you may have thought of this, Romans. Chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 says, faith come, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And I, I do, I am pretty confident that the initial context here is salvation, the word of Christ. But I also know that God's Word, uh, as we expose ourselves to it and we obey it and step out and trust it, it grows our faith. And so the Word of God, having our hearts exposed to the Word of God and and trusting what God says and stepping out in obedience, because it's not enough, and Nick was talking about this, Right, an active faith, a faith in action last week. It's not enough to just know stuff. Right? God wants us to step out and, and, uh, and obey. And in that obedience is the trust. Right? When we obey God, um, uh, and sometimes the obedience is just a belief. Right? When it's not every time you read a passage of the Bible in your devotional time or something, is it something to do? Sometimes it's something to believe. Right? Something to believe. And so obedience there is just to believe it, right? So Jesus is amazed by the centurion's faith, and not the quantity, but just his trust in Jesus. Now, let's take a look here. I didn't put Jess here, although I'm sure Jess is compassionate. Finally got got it right here. The compassion of Jesus in these next few verses. Uh, I'll just read them for you. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples in a crowd, great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. 
And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. First thing comes to my mind is that's not what you say to somebody at a funeral. <laughs> Don't cry. <laughs> well, but, you know, Jesus knew what was going to happen. But I, I, don't you just love that um, we just see the heart of Jesus, right? He's, he, he hurts with us. He knows what's going on, right? Um, and, and we, you know, the words, whether, what is it, John eleven thirty two, 32, right? Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, right? Uh, he has a heart of compassion. And to know, to know that my Savior is dialed into, because nobody said anything to him at this point. He's just observing. He's just walking into town. To know that my Savior knows what's going on in my heart and my struggles and what I'm weeping about, what I'm torn up about, just gives me great comfort, right? That he's, he's entered into it with me. And so, he says, do not weep. Then he came up and touched, touched the beer, and the bearers still stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. You know what? I mean, there's a lot going on, to this, on in this woman's life. I mean, she was a widow, and um, she lost her only son. <laughs> okay. She's got, so in that day, she's got no means of income. Right now, like, when that son died, I mean, besides losing her son, she's probably thinking, I don't know how I'm going to survive. And then Jesus came to town. Just amazing. And, and again, I just... We just see here Jesus entering into one of the, probably one of the most difficult times in this woman's life, and you need to see Jesus like that. He 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 wants you to see that he's there in those difficult times, and he's he's feeling what you're feeling. He is, you know, we have a, a savior who can sympathize with our weaknesses. So Jesus stops the funeral procession, and, and again, it's, she didn't even ask him to do anything. Nobody asked. He just did it. How many times do you think God has done things for you without you asking? All the time. <laughs> All the time, man. You know, and praise God for that, right? All the blessings God has poured out in our lives without ever us asking a thing. And that's what our Lord is like. Often, He does things in our lives without us ever saying a word. 
And if there's one thing that I just um, that keeps coming to my mind in this passage, it's just the the intimacy of Jesus. He's intimately acquainted with us. He wants to. He he wants that relationship to just grow and be tight and close, knowing that he can do anything. He has his word is the ultimate authority on what's going on. And he raises this man from the dead. And I just think it's interesting, he says, gives him back to her mother, you know, knowing that he was thinking of her. I'm sure he cared about the son, but he's thinking of her. So Jesus, not only his word has authority over sickness, but it has authority over death, okay? Sickness and death. I mentioned this earlier that, um, you know, well, I guess alluded to it, you know, the, the healing of this, the centurion's um, servant there who was sick, close to death, and then this raising this boy back to life. He was dead. In a way, I think these are like pointing to what's happening in the future. All right? When, when, when all of us who know the Lord, right, we're going to be raised up. Well, everyone will be raised up depending on where they're going to be raised to. Okay? That's honest. Um, that's true. Uh, but thinking about heaven, too. No more sickness, right? So I, I want to read a couple passages to you. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, verse 15. First Thessalonians 4, 15 uh, and on. It says, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And if you're not familiar, the Bible uses that falling asleep as a, just a, people who have died. In, in, okay. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. And I love this little ending here in this chapter. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. These are meant to be encouraging words, and they should be for every believer, right? Um, anyone that's gone on to be with the Lord ahead of us, right, uh, knowing that we will be reunited with them is encouraging. It's also encouraging to know 
that this is not all there is. <laughs> right? So much more to come. So much more to come. In fact, let's take a look at the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Pages are sticking together. There we go. Um, I'll just start in verse 1. Says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was, was no more. So this all here is getting replaced. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. So in this new heaven and new earth, we will be with God. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. Here we go, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is what we have to look forward to. And as we see Jesus doing these miracles, um, seeing that He has authority, His Word has authority, and as, as it should have authority in our lives, As we see that, we should realize that these miracles also point us to um, the ultimate healing that all believers receive in heaven. No more pain, right? And of course, there's plenty of other places to go to Scripture and see that we get glorified bodies. Encourage one another with these words. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that we have a Savior who has authority. He has the authority to speak a word and create things. He has the authority to speak a word and heal people. Even raising them from the dead. Thank you that we have a Savior who enters into our pain with us. He has compassion. He cries. He weeps with us. Lord, that, that, let that encourage us just to approach the throne of grace. There's one thing the story of the centurion teaches us is it's not about works, it's about grace. He knew he didn't deserve you to do anything, but he was calling out that you would be merciful and gracious. 
And Lord, maybe some of us come to you right now with heavy hearts, things on our mind, and we, we cry out to you, Lord, be merciful and gracious to us in whatever the situations are that are going through people's minds right now. Calm hearts. Lord, help us to know you better. Help us to know your word better so that we can trust you more. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And Lord, uh, when the pain is raging in their lives and, and at times when you have chosen not to alleviate the pain, Lord, let us rejoice in encouraging one another with the words of 1 Thessalonians 4 and Revelation 21. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.